the thinking behind it all with Melusi Nines. The thinking behind it all. Welcome to the thinking behind it all. This is our fifth episode. High five. High five. <laughs> Glad to be back again with the usual suspects, but this time around, uh, Ntlantla has decided to join us. He's uh, found himself in terms of black consciousness. Welcome back, Ntlantla. No, it's good to be to be back after such a long absence, you know. And we've got Ricardo as per usual, Pauline. Isaac and yep. um, Andy Seaway. Mm-hmm. Um, just a friendly reminder to our listeners out there that our bias is to be pro-black. We look at mainstream news from the perspective of black people. We are not speaking on behalf of all black people. We're just here presenting our unique perspectives. We'd like to think that they are unique in many ways. Thank you for the continued support. Uh, thank you for following us on Facebook as you have been. If you have not yet, remember that our page is The Thinking Behind It All. That's our Facebook page and you can follow us on Twitter. Thank you for those who have followed us. There you can look for at TTBIA underscore. At TTBIA underscore. So as I've mentioned, this is our fifth show. And... Uh, so far we have received feedback from various quarters people have told us how they feel about the show where we can improve and we hope that we are living up to expectations so prior to us going into our stories i just want to get the feel that you guys have had for this week what stood out for you what was of interest i'll start with you ricardo high five yeah <laughs> no but uh yeah so in canada a man just won a settlement with a restaurant when the restaurant refused to serve him until he paid for his meal first um you know the, this is a man he's originally from trinidad a, a black man and the the restaurant refused to serve him saying it was policy that they had to pay first before they received their meal but they queried the p- other people in the restaurant there were the only black people in the restaurant and none of the white people had to pay before they got their food <laughs> oh, so no. lovely that's yeah, called justice that by the way and that happened in 2014 and judgment just came down uh this week um and you know they the courts agreed that it showed bias and prejudice and uh they were you know, they won the settlement. So that's kind of what I was monitoring this week. The court only said that it was bias and prejudice. They didn't actually use the big R word. I don't think they said racist, but the settlement was basically the way they treated him because he was black brought him 
emotional pain and injury and embarrassment. And these cases are rarely ever won as from what I was um, reading. So it was a bit historic. That's, uh, that's so cool. I mean, now, yeah. now we've got black people that can be said to be emotionally damaged. Because of racism. Yeah. And you know, I, I was the kind of like white because I stuff. thought there was no racism in Canada. Well, of course it was. Yeah, you, you would think that. I don't know, naive, a lot of Canadians the, be, Being the naive American that, you know. that you are, you would think that. <laughs> <laughs> Any more comments about These this? These are just what Canadians have told me. <laughs> Andy Siwe? High five. So for me, the story that really stood out was what happened in Durban at Mangostutu University of Technology, a female student um, was shot dead in front of her roommate, allegedly by an ex-boyfriend. And what really stood out about this incident is the fact that the way that the ex-boyfriend gained access to the girl's residence where she was staying was through a friend signing him in. And apparently a friend knocked on the door and she saw the friend, so she opened the door, but it was the ex-boyfriend at the door. Ooh. They argued, and he shot her. And what, what, what's even more intense is that this man went on to post on Facebook about the fact that he just killed his girlfriend, oh, his ex-girlfriend. No. And I mean, this, we all know this is not the first case in South Africa. And this happened the same week that Karabo Mugwena's killer, her ex-boyfriend as well, was sentenced. How did they get into a race with a gun? I have no clue. Some razors don't have... Me- I, I don't remember my race having a metal detector. Yeah, that's true though, yeah. That's yeah, true. I think they trust that students would not be carrying weapons. This this is very interesting uh, that you, you're also speaking about uh, Karabo. Because um, mm. judgment was being passed this week about mm. um, the Karabo. And what was troubling about Karabo's case is that boyfriend that burns Karabo, he said that the state wouldn't be able to prove beyond reasonable doubt. That was his only defense. Yeah. But what 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 what, what puzzles me about that is that no one is considering that this guy might have like a mental problem if he's gonna burn someone and then when they when they investigate and they find out where he's hidden the body that he's gonna think mm-hmm. that they can't prove beyond reasonable doubt. So wasn't his whole story there the fact that he believed that he said that she she committed suicide and he burnt the the body just because he knew they wouldn't believe him that she committed suicide? I, I don't necessarily <laughs> know. If- <laughs> No, was he was he afforded the same what opportunity ca- like Oscar Pistorius where he went for psychoanalysis no. and the like? I, I, I get what you're saying. And I do to a certain extent agree that sometimes black men are treated far worse than white men when it comes to these situations. But it doesn't excuse the fact that all of these situations are horrible situations to be happening to women in South Africa. And no race doesn't excuse it. You know what I mean? Someone actually even went on to say something along the lines of the fact that it's cultural for black people to be killing their their, their girlfriends. Sure. It's part of our culture. Which they said on Twitter. Ah, yeah, 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 which they no, said on no. Twitter. And I was quite upset by that. I was just like, what about all the white men that hire people to kill their wives all the time because they don't want to give them half during a divorce? You know what I mean? Settle, like settlements. Killing 
black women is cultural. What wow. about that Indian guy <laughs> who left England to come and kill his wife here? <laughs> like really? I mean, that, that, that it, it, it's the most ridiculous thing to say that on Twitter. Uh, Clearly, these Twitter streets are being run by by agents. Who knows what agents they are? Agents of stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean it goes without saying. Like I condemn violence against women. It's inexcusable. There's no. It's just I think what Isaac is trying to get at here is the application of law and the consistency thereof. You know, Um, if we can see a bias when it comes to such a thing where someone committed a horrific murder just like oscar did i mean but and of course semantics oscar's case was right but then was different. it race or is it money i mean what if it was a rich black man or a rich indian man or you know a rich person of color would they have because at least here in the united states not to say that uh race doesn't play in how you're treated in the judicial system it does but as oj showed us oj simpson if you got the money you can get away with things or you know or make things a little more equal uh, as far and as then your lawyer's goes. family can go off and make a show afterwards a reality show oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. the story that caught my interest was the the supra Mwamapilu case or story you know nc coming out saying that he must either resign or they're gonna recall him and what's interesting that parties like BLF already, or I mean, claimed that Cyril was behind the whole Supramapilu must fall, I mean, thing that was going on last week there, you know. And now to have ANC officially come out to say that he, or, or at least the media claimed that he, I mean, the ANC said he must resign or be, be recalled, you know. It, it just shows the continuation of the purging of the former Gupta associates you know what, what does that say about the nc government and its commitment to, to fighting corruption you know is it, is it is it true that corruption is all about the guptas and once the nc removed the guptas we the voters would be happy and continue voting for for the nc if if, if we had the queen elizabeth influencing key nc uh, leaders like ramaphosa i mean giving them money what i mean what does it say that we can stand up as a country, fight one Indian family, but nothing about all these families that have plundered our society. I thought that was interesting because uh, as a as a outsider from South African politics, right, I look at that and I go, it's kind of fighting the symptom, but not the disease, if we're really talking about corruption, right? Because, come on, you're going to tell me there's only one corrupt family in all of South Africa? I mean... Yeah, of course, there's only one corrupt ridiculous. family. It's an Indian family. That's what I saying. Yeah, I mean, that's not how you fight corruption. Yes, you, you mm. punish those who you catch, but you try to instill a system, uh, to implement a system that reduces temptation for corruption i mean that's the whole point so but in um, in the in defense of what is termed wmc in south africa that's white monopoly capital they are taking care of kpmg mckenzie so surely uh-huh. that that shows that they're not taking care of only the indians isaac no 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 kpmg works with the state it's had uh governmental departments for like the longest of time here in South Africa. I think they're just sick of 
working with KPMG maybe they suspect that KPMG might be you know taking their money from them but I don't necessarily think that's also enough when we're not going for the real criminals of this country you know I totally agree with Isaac you agree with Isaac I totally do like the Oppenheimers we've got so many Where's white the, families that have proof? that have that have captured the, that have captured the state for much longer than the guptas came in i mean the guptas were messy in how they did it as well that's the problem the guptas <laughs> we have proof but white people are not as messy as as people of color sometimes Capture when they do these style, things man do it like, exactly yeah, <laughs> um okay for me what stood out this week was the land debate in unisa not necessarily what was the content because we know the argument more or less what stood out for me is the fact that floyd was supposed to be part of this meeting now floyd is one of the main leaders of the economic freedom fighters one of the opposition parties in south africa and he was supposed to have pitched there but apparently he ditched the last minute and it said that the reason for his ditching is because he did not want to find himself in an argument with Andile Nitama. I really found that to be quite appalling on the EFF's behalf. A party that says that they are about economic freedom, but yet when they were given a platform, a public platform, there were several other stakeholders there. I mean, Monsieur Likota was there talking his usual garbage about land saying something to the extent that we were dominated the argument that he was trying to make was that so can we really say that the land was taken if there was war and yes black people did fight gallantly but ultimately we lost that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing, in that argument, the number of black people in South Africa outnumbers white people. So if black people just got their guns and shot white people and took the land, it'd be cool now? Like Exactly. People are saying, is, is that what you're saying then? You know, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, because you could just go and say, well, I'm going to dominate my white neighbors now. And yeah, take... Oh my God. I, I mean, with that being said, I mean, he is being paid by... Um, white hands apparently so it comes with no surprise that he makes that statement but EFF yeah no that was quite disappointing especially how it played out on Twitter afterwards where the leader of the economic freedom fighters said he's got no time to argue with clowns he wants to have debate with thinkers it was also funny how journalists from white media were, were on some um, no, yeah, it's fine. You know, these are people like Ridi Tlabi, Eusebius Makaiser. But what was funny is, is how they came to Julius's defense, you know. Like, yeah, I know he shouldn't be concerning himself with such things because uh, he's going to make better arguments in parliament. But like, land talks are already tabled in parliament. This is a, a, a debate to nuance yourself and also better your arguments and gain more support from people by showing mm-hmm. that your plan of appropriation through the state empowering a pro-white state is going to help the black masses but no you run away and it's interesting that the same eff is rallying behind ramaphosa and and those within the nc calling for supra to step down the biggest critique that 
BLF has for for EFF is that EFF is, is simply a London run party that is in cahoots with the people that are actually in power the white minority secular capital to further fight the forces that, that, that are trying to push this Zuma thing so EFF is positioning itself in a position that it is actually defending Ramaphosa now if you have any other comments about what was discussed please feel free to go to our Facebook page the thinking behind it all or you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore Africa is calling on steel and aluminium producers to engage U.S. buyers to find other ways of doing business. This follows U.S. President Donald Trump's decision not to grant South Africa an exemption on import tariffs. Trump maintained import duties of 10% on all aluminium imports and 25% on steel. This despite a concerted lobbying effort by trade and industry minister Rob Davies and the ambassador to the U.S. In their submissions, they argue the country does not pose a threat to U.S. national security and to their steel and aluminium industries but it seems their pleas fell on deaf ears he instead extended tariff negotiations for a month with mexico canada and the european union he's also agreed on permanent exemptions for argentina australia and brazil pretoria says however that negotiations with the u.s will continue the South African Department of Trade and Industry spokesperson explained that SA sees itself as collateral damage in a trade war between key global economies, basically the United States and China. South Africa believes that it's not one of the major exporters of steel and aluminium to the United States. So one of my biggest issues with this situation is that African countries tend to have a lot of bilateral agreements with powerhouses like the United States, like the EU, like Britain. And on a country, country level or country continent level. And what often happens is that we tend to be shorthanded in these bilateral agreements. We think that we're making a great deal, but most of the time we get strong handed by these larger economies when things don't go their way. This happened with the AGOA agreements when America decided it wanted to dump its chicken. This is happening now with the steel. And if you look at the EU, for example, the EU tends to trade with partners on a continental level so that they have a great bargaining power. So right now the EU is threatening to retaliate against the United States because it's finding this whole hike in tariffs unfair. I just feel that African countries are not taking advantage of the bargaining power that they could gain if we bargained together as a continent. We tend to think, especially the bigger economies in Africa, Nigeria, South Africa, the North African countries, we tend to believe that we are strong enough or our economies are strong enough to go into these agreements with the Western world, with the larger economies. And we often find ourselves drawing the short end of the stick. Isaac, what do you make of this whole decision by America having to decide that they're going to squeeze us a little bit more? Do you, what do you read into this? This is like remnants of Cold War tactics playing. Yeah. Given America is trying to repair relations with Russia, 
and that America and China are currently in a, in a, in a, in a trade war. What I think is that Russia might be influencing the US government to cut us out of these deals because we've been ignoring BRICS instead of attracting investment from the east Cyril's first excursion was to the west to pay the queen uh, a visit Ricardo why are you guys bullying us? I think the United States wants and uh, not just the United States um, the big western economies I think they want to keep African nations as separated and as economically isolated as possible just so they can pull these kind of tactics. They've been doing this for, well, basically ever since uh, colonialism officially came to an end in Africa and around the world in the 1960s. This is a, a, an economic version of divide and conquer, in my opinion. Mm. And what do you make of what Isaac said and what Ricardo's also bringing forth here? I definitely agree with Ricardo in terms of the divide and conquer. And you see it when they come to, let's say, the African Union. The EU, for example, will speak about having bilateral agreements with the whole continent. But behind the continent's back, they go and they meet with states and they try and sign EPAs with particular states. So I definitely agree with that. In terms of Russia and the conspiracy theory, I would not put it past Putin and Trump and their love for each other to actually be doing this. But I don't actually have the facts, but that bromance is definitely very dangerous for the world. The problem doesn't necessarily have to do much with how Africa is divided within its, the various economic blocks, but rather it has to do with the peculiar nature of how African economies are developed. You know, we not we we, mm. we we don't have a solid foundation upon which economic activity is based. You know, well, I mean, whereby mm. we know that when we're extracting these mineral resources, whether it's, it's, it's this iron or steel, we 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 getting it towards our own local production. Pauline, America has decided to have dealings with Nigeria, and. This has, of course, made people wonder as to why is America so receptive to having dealings with Nigeria and yet they are punishing South Africa. Do you read any, anything into this? That's what I'd like to know. But like Ricardo says, it's a divide and conquer. But I think Africans need to start exerting a little more of their power instead of just stepping back sometimes and just taking things as their lot. I just wanted to piggyback on what Pauline said. I think she's absolutely 100% correct. I think a lot of people in government, this specific American government, they still think oil is going to be a big deal 50, 100 years from now. And Nigerian is an oil-producing nation. And to my knowledge, South Africa is an oil-producing nation, correct? So, uh, no. I, yeah. So I think that has a part to do with it as well. And they don't want China getting that oil. So they're more amenable to, to, to the Nigerian government. That That's just my speculation, though. I think there's been a, um, a strategy by the, the, the USA to focus more on East and West Africa, you know. it's. It, I think it was last month that USA opened 
uh, a new military base, I think in Ghana. So I think the USA's policy is shifting more to to securing East and West Africa, you know. So I mean, I don't think the South is as interesting as as it was before. Our job and COSATU and the other f federations Inaktu, Nefedusa took it up as their revolutionary duty to make sure that we lift 6.6 .6 million workers in our country so that we start the process of doing away with wage inequality but at the same time even as we were sitting and negotiating this, we knew, comrades, Uguti, this is not a living wage. A living wage is much higher than this 20 rand an hour. But we said we need to form a foundation. Ufane and Uguti, we must have a foundation so that we can keep going up because the challenge we faced was that if you were suddenly to say workers must earn yes 15,000 rand a lot of workers would lose their jobs what happened during the international workers day here in south africa is that politicians were getting on their soapboxes at different trade union rallies Cyril went to PE there were resounding cheers for Cyril when he rehashed the reasons as to why the minimum wage was so low. Glanda, what I want to know from you is that here we have a billionaire president telling poor people to accept 3,500 as a minimum wage or 20 rand per hour. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, Cyril is the president for the establishment, you know. He, he tries to present himself as as revolutionary and all about economic freedom, but he's quite passive in his approach. And 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 to me, he seems quite very fearful of white monopoly capital. And that has to do with the way our economy is based. You know, it's, I mean, we're not we're not based on a solid foundation where, whereby we can talk truly of economic independence it's even hard for people on the streets to think of even a future without white enterprises employing them ricardo you hear of south africa offering its workers just a little over 200 dollars per month to survive on understandably yes the circumstances are not the same in terms of when you look at South Africa and America, but what comes to mind when you think about this? Here in the United States, we, we, we're having a big debate about minimum wage as well. We've been having this debate for basically the last, oh, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years now, actually, about the minimum wage. Um, so I kind of get the gist. The thing that gets me is you hear the same line all the time. I urge the audience to look this up, right? Every time people want more money for a higher minimum wage, right, the government will tell you we can't because businesses will start laying people off to, to make up the cost. And when has that actually ever happened? Anyone? Like, 
Look at any country who's raised the minimum wage. People just don't fire people. That's not how it works. Isaac, Bladen's Monday is the leader of the South African Communist Party. Let's not act opportunistically on the national minimum wage. Six million workers in this country and less than 3,500. We can therefore say, if a minimum wage is going to, to benefit six million workers and say no, it's all or nothing. That's infantile, that's ultra-left. Because you want the bosses to keep the money that they should be beginning to pay. As the SACP, we are clear, 3,500 rand is not a living wage. We must continue to wage the struggle for a living wage, but at least 6 million cleaners, domestic workers, are going to get a huge relief from this national minimum wage. We congratulate Kosatu, now among for the role that we have played in this regard. There he is at a rally endorsing the minimum wage agreement. In fact, speaking strongly against those who are not for this minimum. What does this mean about a supposed communist? in cahoots with a capitalist blade isn't a communist let's let's just get that out of the way man all right yes he's the leader of the south african communist party but nothing about him is communist he's a horrible politician he, he's never proposed anything that that leans towards communism for me even when students were striking he was telling the media that He's going to start a, his own movement telling students that students must fall. I don't think he truly represents what the Communist Party is for. He's just doing it because uh, the ANC is, a, is, is an ally. And now he's buying into the idea of this new dawn that Ramaphosa is promising. Pauline, what comes to mind when you think about these figures? 20 Rand per hour for someone who's doing hard labor, who has to feed a family, take children to school. It's unfair, but it has to start somewhere. If they say uh, yes, will the actual people who are working, will they actually all get it? Or will only some get it? How general workers earn is, is determined by law. Um, Farm workers are at the bottom of this. Uh, government employees being at the top and in between that is general laborers. Yes, it might help someone in the lower category like a farm worker. It might yeah, help yeah. Uh, that person earn more, but it doesn't mm. help a general worker or government employees. So it's not being fair to everybody really. Well, what's proposed is a national minimum wage that everyone earns the same. But currently, no, we don't earn the same. Farm workers don't earn the same as a government employee. Well, you wouldn't really. Well, yeah, sure. But for general workers, you'd expect it to be similar. You wouldn't expect the inequalities that you, you have right now. Ricardo, do you have anything to add? 
So we were kind of discussing off air about uh, South Africa having a three-tier minimum wage system, and uh, m- myself and Pauline were surprised by this because uh, in our countries, the minimum wage is national. It's just one minimum wage for everything. Uh, I just want to point that out for our well, we perfected capitalism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, all right then. All right. Uh, no, but one other thing I did want to say is the. It's good to keep in mind that a minimum wage is just that a minimum wage. It's not. It's the ceiling, not the floor. So, if you're a government worker in a city, for example, in a big town, and opposed to a uh, farmer in a rural area, I mean. That doesn't mean that the government has to pay you 20 rand an hour. They can pay you 35 rand an hour due to, you know, where you live, rent is higher, et cetera, et cetera. The minimum wage is just that, the minimum. You can't, you shouldn't be paid below that, you know? So I just want to keep that in mind because a lot of people, I think, feel that the minimum wage, that's what they're going to pay you. When that's not necessarily the case. Yes, but with a country that has issues of poverty inequality you can't help but be skeptical when you have a president advocating for you to be given 20 rand per hour essentially a dollar and some change per hour for your labor Kanye West gave his first interview Monday since his controversial return to Twitter. West appeared on the celebrity gossip show TMZ Live to discuss his embrace of President Trump as well as his views on slavery. Hear about slavery for 400 years? For 400 years? That sounds like a choice. <laughs> like, you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all? You know, like... It's like we're we're mentally in prison. I like the word prison because slavery goes di- too too direct to the uh, idea of blacks. It's like slavery, Holocaust, Holocaust Jews, uh, slavery is blacks. So prison is something that unites us as one race, blacks and whites being one race. Uh, that we're one, we're, we're we're the human race. This is one of those things that is really detrimental due to who's saying it. Because as a black person, as a person in any minority group, people have a way of selecting people who represent all of us, right? So when Kanye West goes, look, slavery was a choice. We had 400 years to get out of it, and we didn't. It's on us, right? A slavery apologist. That's when white supremacists can then say, well, look, I've been saying this for years. Kanye West said it, so it has to be right. He's black. And he agrees with me. And because he's a celebrity, people will point to that and go, aha, and it will validate their white supremacist uh, thoughts. And I just feel it's, it's, it's bad form, honestly. Um, so, and Kanye West, has, it's kind of been going on the last two weeks now. He's been saying other things via social media and interviews. You know, he's talked about his support for Donald Trump and get this, how Donald Trump says facts, which I I don't know what to even say about Donald Trump's and facts, but whatever. Of course, this has led to quite a big deal on social media. People have stopped following Kanye in the millions 
And uh, some people are essentially calling him a coon. Are you in agreement with this sentiment? Uh, I'd be lying if I told you I haven't called him Kunye West before. And I, I do believe that he he, he, he shucking jives a bit. I, I, I feel that he's, he, he's black when he wants to be black. When it's convenient for him to be black. So, for example... Now Donald Trump is, is speaking facts and we're all being brainwashed and not listening by not listening to him and we're just listening to liberal media vilify him. But yet in, in 2005 uh, during Hurricane Katrina, it was George Bush hates black people. And then um, five, six years later, when he was trying to get into the fashion industry, they hate me because I'm black. Gucci and Versace and um, all these other um, fashion houses don't want me because I'm a black man. And now it's, hey, you guys chose to be slaves. I don't know. This is it's maddening. Isaac, what are your views about Kanye being referred to as a coon? Ish, it's mixed views, man. I don't know. Maybe it's the fan in me and Kanye, you know. But I. <sighs> I have to look at what he's saying also in terms of this anti-Trump type of thing with with the media. Like no no one has anything positive to say about Trump. I have to agree with him in that we might be brainwashed by liberal media. But in terms of slavery is a choice. Yes and no. We haven't made that much gain as the black community, even in calling out people like Coons, whereas people like Obama are celebrated, despite the fact that gun killings went up during his administration. We never look at things like that as to was 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 Barack a good leader or not? Was he a coon leader? I mean, that guy never said much about gun killings. And this is someone that says he's a hip-hop fan. Like, did he ignore all the content that Kendrick, J. Cole were dropping about mass killings and shooting and, and police brutality? So it, the standard of us calling each other coons also, I think it varies. It plays to a certain crowd Pauline are you in agreement with what Kanye is saying or are you totally opposed to it I'm totally opposed to it Kanye West is a very troubled person he rants and anything he says doesn't hold water he doesn't represent me and I'm sorry his brand is off He's got no credibility. Zantla, do you think it's an easy argument to make this where people are being opposed to what Kanye has said? Are we simply just jumping on the bandwagon and not really internalizing this? My reaction when I heard the story from, from my peers and people online, before I even saw the video, I mean, was, was to say, no, I mean, he's absolutely right, Kanye. And then when I went to see the video, what maybe I can maybe say I didn't did not like about what he said was the manner in which it was said and the possible inferences that could be made 
subsequently. But then, if you just analyze that word to say it was a choice for 400 years slavery, it was a choice. He's he's right to an extent, you know. I think we didn't we didn't like that because he's he's in fact pulling shots to, to, to people right now. He's not he's he's not dissing people back then and and what what because we we're facing slavery today. He's speaking the truth that mostly is kept under wrap in in, in in the black community. We accepted slavery to to a huge extent. Um, Ricardo, do you view neocolonialism as a valid argument for slavery? I don't believe there's any argument for slavery in 2018 or the 21st century. I, I think it has no place. And, and neocolonialism, as it is now, basically via corporate vehicles rather than government entities, right? Uh, it's just as wrong and it's just as terrible in eroding one's culture, knowing of self. But people are accepting of it, it would appear. I don't think they know what they're accepting. Maybe that's the problem. You know, but then you're speaking directly <laughs> to what Kanye said. I am, but here's the thing. I'm just looking at what he said. I can't look into it deeper and try to say, well, this is what he might have meant. Well, I feel as soon as you're, you grab a microphone, or in this case, a keyboard or your phone, and as a celebrity, a person with a voice, right? You put your thoughts out there, it's up to you to be concise and leave out ambiguity. What we are now talking about is conjecture. Because none of us truly knows what he meant if we're going to dig in deeper than the words that he used. He says, you know? yeah. Isaac, as critical thinkers, should we not really think about how a text is positioned? Think about how... Kanye's story is coming out to the media houses that are running with it, the people that are retweeting it. Does that not have any influence in terms of how we interpret it? Should we just simply take his words for what they are? No, man, because because words don't exist in isolation for me. You know, there's always a given context that we're working from. There's there, well, everyone has biases, you know, um, that we're trying to push and agendas that we stand for in principle all right and if we're gonna call out him right now as a coon just because he aligned himself with someone that we view an enemy i i don't think that's 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 a fair enough assessment even on ourselves because there are instances where it may be beneficial for me also to work with white people should should i also what forgo those things because those people are seen as enemies like for instance if the oppenheimers ought to offer me personally as isaac mm-hmm. Tala money right now would i be seen as an enemy i'm trying to understand what kanye meant i think we should we should also give him the benefit of the doubt you know i mean i i, I don't understand why we would be quick to take each other apart like that as black people as well you know to 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 the point that we, we we can't even see Kanye West as himself also as a victim of of circumstance and if what he tweets is, is anything to go by i mean he has come out to try clarify what he said you know to say he, he meant that there is this mental slavery that's going on Paulina are you perhaps harsh on Kanye because of your dislike of president trump no 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 you know what he he can 
affiliate himself with who he likes. In honesty, I've never been a big fan of his. So it was, it was easy then to discard what he says. N- no, no, because I'm not a big fan of a person. I'm, I'm not gonna say. No, I'm you just know, kidding. I'm kidding. It's just tongue in cheek. I, I, I know. Okay, but I, I just feel when I listen and take the whole of what he said in context, I just take him for his word and what he said there at the time. And it's only after. Aren't you going to consider though that you are reading his words within a particular context? You are being told the news. I'm going by what I heard him say. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense, I'm, going, I'm sorry. I'm like, he, the words came out of his you see, mouth. That interview, like. <laughs> that, interview, that interview that he had was a free, relaxed interview. There was no pressure. The, the, the gentleman that interviewed him basically gave him the platform. He didn't, he, you know, he, 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 he interjected when he needed to. He didn't pressure him. He, he didn't pressure him in, in no way. And he, he came out with what he said with ease and free. Ricardo, you seem to be dismayed at the fact that a story can take different turns and be positioned. Words can be positioned in many ways. Why is it so? I'm not surprised that words can be positioned in certain ways, but these are his own words. This isn't him sitting down with a journalist, a reporter, and the person writing his words and then presenting it in a way. This is a sit down and someone asked, I don't even think he was asked a question. This was just him talking. Like, you know, this is now if you, if he wants to be provocative, to gain attention to his causes, that's fine, we all do it. But it's up to you to then back up your words and make sure that words you use don't leave these kind of ambiguities. I mean, no, 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 no. Ricardo, uh, are, are we going to deny the fact that when we stand in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, and there are journalists mm-hmm. who we're having a conversation with, Journalists know what questions they can ask for clarification and what not to ask so as to continue portraying you in a certain way. Are we going to disregard it? Because remember, as much as questions can be asked, questions can be I am disregarding that here, yes. 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 To answer your question, yes. You know why? Because it's a pattern this isn't the first time he said things similar to this it's not like someone all of a sudden decided to ask kanye west a question about race and sleep you ask me the question about media and how he's being portrayed i will counter that and say why are we giving excuses for his words he's owning up to them so i mean these are his thoughts why can't we just take his thoughts as what they are instead of a media manipulating kanye west it surprises Mm -hmm. me that a picture of melusi burly black man right a picture of melusi being taken and being placed among white women let's just say a group of five six women and they say serial rapist people think Mm -hmm. that that's not going to have any impact versus a picture of Melusi being placed among a group of black men. You know, like surely there are impressions that people have. 
based on how quotes are taken and positioned and pictures. When does it end, Malusi? So why do we have media at all? So journalism is nothing. We shouldn't have journalism. We shouldn't ask people questions then. Because everything we do, this is a, you bring up a good fact though. Everything is tinged with bias, but not everything is necessarily done with the intent on swaying you like so if somebody oh no 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 ricky i have to really interject here i know i'm going to be called out for this but how can you say not everything is not being done with the intention of swaying you to think in a particular way it's not done consciously to sway you to one particular way or not a journalist Uh, writing a story ricky but this is not a written story it was an interview no he spoke no 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 here's the thing if i get this is the thing you think i feel like you're this is not print media where things are left and i'm like he first of all kanye west searched out no interview Yes, he wanted to explain okay, himself. Okay, That's how the whole let's thing started. Let's hear what started. Isaac is saying. Let's hear Isaac, what Isaac is saying and then continue. Okay. That interview was cut as well. I don't think the way it was uh-huh. presented is the way it was it was recorded even. You know? Uh, it, it's gonna, so you gonna add mm-hmm. and cut and chop and change some things. So the, the way a message is portrayed, especially on media, especially if you know that this is like a, a white liberal station, it's gonna be portrayed in in a certain light. I don't think you can dispute the fact that to to fight slavery or to try change any system, it will take a choice. It will take an individual making a decision to stand up and to face the powers that be. Now, Amber Rudd, she resigned and she claimed that she resigned over not knowing about the removal of immigrants locally and nationally. So, it's a bit of a cop-out, really. It, it, it really is a bit of a cop-out because at the end of the day, um, she realised there was a problem with the Windrush people and she treated them very badly, um, very distastefully. And um, she's gone. She was incompetent in her job. And now we have a new Home Office Minister, the first of colour, Sajid Javid thought he was living the British dream. Will you be able to get a grip on the Home Office? When that dream was called into question, he put his hand up and said, that could have been me, a statement that clearly resonated in Downing Street. This morning, he accepted one of the great offices of state with a remit to repair the damage done to his fellow British dreamers. When I heard that people who were long-standing pillars of their community were being impacted for simply not having the right documents to prove their legal status in the UK. I thought that it could be my mum, my brother, my uncle, or even me. He himself spoke up when he was in Parliament about the situation concerning the Windrush generation. He has a lot of empathy for the Windrush generation and um, he's also mentioned that he will 
prioritise the Windrush issue by making sure that they get the right help to get their paperwork sorted and also help people who have gone abroad back to Jamaica and not able to get back to get back and to help sort compensation out for people who have basically lost everything. So I'm hoping that he's not just put in as a token. I'm hoping that he does do a good job. He has worked several jobs before getting this position that he is in now. I'm just hoping that he, you know, he, he hasn't got no kind of um, abomisms about him, kind of standing back and seeing things happen. Did you say Obama-isms? Yes, that's what she said. <laughs> okay. I just wanted uh, to, to double check to make sure I heard it right. <laughs> So, uh, Glenda, what do you make of these new developments regarding Amber Rudd's resignation and the installation of Sajid Javed into British politics as the Home Secretary? I wasn't shocked, to be honest, you know, especially when I found out that she was pro-EU and she, she, she was against this, this Brexit thing. And that as such, she was at odds with the crown's interest, you know. Because, I mean, with, with the whole Brexit thing, we know that we're going into the Queen's territory now. England has to make sure she keeps tight to her former colonies, you know. So anything that would try to jeopardize that, it, ha- it has to be dealt with. So I think she was dealt with by the Queen personally here. Damning allegations. Ricardo... The notion of Obamasms, do you think we should be thinking along those lines when it comes to the new appointee? I understand what Pauline meant, though, um, as far as will he be an effective leader in his position and be given the latitude to do his job effectively and competently. I'm really torn. I see it as a political move, um, putting him in as... Well, of course it's political, right? But I mean, I think it's deeper than that. It's a... I, I feel that it might have had a bit of appeasement. Okay, let's throw black people or people of color in you in the uk a bone and say here's one of you now so if it all goes to, to you know to hell you can't say it was us who did it but remember especially in a democratic government no one person can really do it all there's checks and balances so if people don't cooperate in helping mr javid pull his agendas out then it's not going to work and then who's just going to be the fall guy you know a lot of people say barack obama didn't do enough for black people like isaac even said why are more people calling him a coon etc etc when he talked about gun violence in america again barack obama is one person he have the senate the congress and other people who he can't necessarily supersede or then we're just talking about a dictator so mandela's one person he has a government he has a party and is a supportive media president becky is one person had a government a supportive party and a relatively moderate media jacob zuma was one person 
but he remained one person regardless of anything else didn't have a party didn't have a government and definitely did not have a media well now that you've waved your pom-poms um <laughs> we all know who you like huh? <laughs> okay <laughs> for presenter that's terrible forgive me anyway um Isaac Javed was well received in uh, English media and it kind of speaks to the Obamasms that Ricardo and Pauline make mention of. Do you think it's fair for us to cast aspersions at this point in time? I don't think so man. When you are the darling to white media, you're serving their agenda man. That's that's the word that's the, that that's a trigger for me it's it it just sets that off for me once you start uh, getting the, the 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 very support of the establishment i mean this is this person is being backed by theresa may and you know i understand the political move but i also have to agree with ricardo when he says that maybe it's to save face that damn and we, we tried to put a person of color as well and he also failed so yeah don't come blaming us for that pauline do you make anything of ntlantla's allegations when it comes to amber rudd i i don't know all i can say about amber rudd she was just incompetent she was in a position and she didn't use it she didn't she just didn't do her job and she took her eye off the ball but then again you know a predecessor you know you do some kind of handover so uh, you know i don't see or understand why this immigration policy was overlooked by her i don't believe that brexit her uh, amber rudd's uh, feelings or leanings on brexit played a big role in this because and Pauline can tell me if I'm right or wrong the UK is split almost 50-50 even politicians even parliament uh, yeah. is 50-50 so not you know Brexit isn't this overwhelming thing I, I'm not even sure if the crown really wants it it's just that Cameron in his uh, stroke of genius decide to let the people decide you know i don't think that's necessarily what the government wanted they're just they were just backed into a corner and now they have to go through with it that's what i think that we have this brings us to the end of our show thank you for listening thank you for downloading thank you for following our page if you haven't remember facebook the thinking behind it all on twitter you can follow us at ttbia underscore and of course please feel free to spread a word about ttbia let your friends know let your family know your mom your dad your sisters your girlfriend your boyfriends let them know that we are talking as a black group and anyone is welcome to the conversation drop us a comment until we meet next week shop Thank <laughs> you.